0: Welcome to the Redemption Ten P podcast, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. I am one of your hosts, A.C. I'm joined today by one of our other regular hosts, Greg. What's up, Greg? What's up, A.C.? And then we have a very, very special guest today, Miss Cheryl Patton. Hey,
1: A.C., how are you? I'm doing well, Cheryl.
0: Welcome, Cheryl. Cheryl. Good. Thanks. Good, good. Awesome. So I you guys are in for a treat today. Uh, as you know, we've been going through the sermon series, Love Walked Among Us, as we take a look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels. So that we can ask the question, what does it look like to imitate Christ? You know, as First John 2 says that he who abides in him ought to walk as he walked. So what did it look like when Jesus walked and how can we walk like him? And so this week we're looking at the section in the Gospels where Jesus is faced with a very challenging, taxing situation where he is physically, mentally, and emotionally drained. And as we look at that and we ask the question, how do we love when we have low energy? You know, Paul Miller in his book, Love Walked Among Us, he states the hardest part of love is not how do I love, it's wanting to love in the first place and then having the energy to do it. It takes energy to love, energy that we don't often have. Greg, do you agree with that statement?
2: I do, but what would you do if I said no?
0: Uh, we would have an incredible conversation. <laughs> <laughs> love
2: takes no energy, no, yeah, I mean loving the act of loving other people definitely takes energy. It can be a really taxing thing to to think outside of yourself uh, and to be be outward focused in a way where you're pouring out to others. There's sort of an analogy that that's used a lot, but I think it's pretty apt. It's the idea of us being sort of cups and there's a hole in the bottom of the cup, and that's sort of the outpouring of love. But you need something pouring into the cup to fill it up, or else it'll mm. eventually be emptied. So there's this, this uh, cycle of self-care and then pouring out in the ways that God has called you to do.
0: Mm. That's really good. What about you, Cheryl? Do you agree with that statement?
1: Yes, I agree. <laughs> there's been plenty of days when I've gotten up and said, God, I just can't do it today. Mm. But he gives the strength, he gives the power, but it's certainly easy to feel like, I just can't.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And you know, Cheryl, for those of us who are not really familiar with you, who haven't met you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? That way, we can really paint the picture. So that when you say you wake up some days and say, "God, Mm -hmm. I can't do it," I want everyone to nod their heads in agreement and say, "Yeah, I can. I can understand that."
1: Sure, I can. Uh, First of all, I'm sixty-seven years old, and eleven years ago, I became a widow. And for the last ten years, God has called me to do nursing. I am a registered nurse, but I've had five family members with cancer. Hmm. And wow. God has allowed me to use my knowledge, use my expertise and my love of nursing to help my family members out. And also I work with my grandson. I have a full-time job as a habilitation therapist for an autistic child.
0: Hmm. Wow. The first day on that job, I'd wake up and say, God, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Cheryl, why is it so hard to love others when we have low energy?
1: I think of a statement that we often hear people say, I'm so busy, I just can't breathe. Mm. Well, if you can't breathe, then the first thing you're concerned about is your own survival. And if you're concerned with yourself and just surviving the day, you have nothing to give to anyone else. So I think so often it's the busyness of life that makes it just really difficult to love on other people. Mm.
0: What do you think, Greg?
2: Yeah, I think it's difficult to love others when we when we have low energy. At least for me, when I have low energy, I'm usually in survival mode myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty similar to what you were just saying, Cheryl. I think um, when I have low energy, I'm thinking about what am I going to eat next, what am I going to sleep next, what am what am I going to take care of my needs. Um, and I think there, it's it's almost that hierarchy of needs uh, mm. psychological model. You know, of if you don't feel like you have that energy, it can be extra hard to think outside of yourself. I think there is a sense that it can be it can feel unnatural for a lot of people. they f- sometimes people will feel like they're not built to look outside of themselves mm. like it it just doesn't come naturally for people to be thinking of of others in ways that they can support and love them. and then you find other people that that's just sort of like that was just like innately in them mm. uh, that are just natural helpers and anything in between.
1: Can I jump on that? Yeah. One of the things that I know about people is if they don't feel loved themselves, it's really hard to give love. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to allow yourself to be loved, to focus on the love of God for you, but also to allow yourself to be loved by other people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah. Loving others with low energy or anything else in the Gospels, when we look at the life of Jesus and we say, that's where it's at, that's where I want to be, it's often not enough. It's not enough to just look at the life of Christ and think I'm going to copy that. And Greg, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's not enough to just have Jesus as a role model in order to love others with low energy?
2: Yeah, I mean, just even theologically, Jesus is not simply a role model. He he didn't just come here so that he could show us how to live. And in fact, we could he's perfect. Like we we can't be completely like Jesus. We can grow in likeness throughout our life, but it's through the aid of the Holy Spirit. And something that is unique to the Christian faith is this idea of being indwelt by God and being led by God and being empowered by God. And so if we are just looking to Jesus as only an example, which he is, but not only, uh, instead of looking to him as an example and asking for God to give us that energy to, to do, to, uh, to wait on God, listening for him in, in ways that he's calling us to move and serve, then uh, really it, it's in some ways a workspace, in a lot of ways, it's a work-based faith. You're looking at Jesus and saying, well, I'm going to make myself do those things like he did. When even Jesus was filled and led by the Holy Spirit uh, and he calls us to do the same thing.
1: We often think we're supposed to emulate Jesus and love everybody all the time. <laughs> but what I find is I don't always emulate him in other ways. I don't take the time to rest. I don't withdraw and get refreshed myself by the Holy Spirit. Um I don't spend that time alone with God that refreshed Jesus. And so I can't emulate him and love all the time if I don't emulate the rest of his life
2: too. Mm. That yeah, is true. That's I so mean, good. if you're only act, 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 do, 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 do. I mean, that's that's not even what Jesus did. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: a really good point. It's kind of like, this might get deleted. It's kind of like putting on a CD of your favorite musician and then singing along and thinking like this is what it's like to be a musician, just singing along to the lyrics. But there's so much more that goes into it yeah. to make that possible. So you look at the highlights of Jesus' life and you might want to sing along or walk along, but you also have to put in the, the, the time of prayer and dependence on the Father that mm. he did as well. Now, kind of shifting gears a little bit, we want to take this conversation away from just an abstract theological conversation. We want to get into the nitty gritty of life. And Cheryl, that's a big reason that we invited you on this podcast because of your current season of life, which you alluded to over the past 11 years. Can you tell us what is it like in your current season of life? Why is it challenging to find energy to love? And what has that looked like for you?
1: So five years ago, got a phone call from my son to say that his son had been diagnosed autistic and they had just had a second child and she was two months old and they needed help. So I came back from Prague where I was living, working with a church there, to help them with my grandson. And that was going well. We moved from New Hampshire to Arizona and things were Growing great, and then a year and a half ago, my daughter-in-law was diagnosed for stage breast cancer. It suddenly became doctor's appointments multiple times a week, scans to be done, two children to be taken care of. My son was working full-time, so obviously he wasn't available a good 40 hours out of the week. And to add to all this, God had led me to a man in my life and Three months before she was diagnosed, I got married. So suddenly I'm trying to adjust to a new marriage, and I have an autistic grandson to care for, and I was homeschooling both children, and my daughter-in-law needed a lot of help. It's not too hard to see why I was a little tired sometimes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine how hard it must be to consistently be faithful to the Lord in the way that He's called you to love others right now. What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about God during this time?
1: I've known the statement, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, for a lot of years. But there have been moments when it doesn't feel like He's there. Mm -hmm. And one thing I've learned is to believe it whether I feel it or not. I know that God is faithful despite the circumstances or in the circumstances, perhaps I should say. And it's one thing to know it in your head. It's a whole other thing to experience it. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God is always with me, even when there's times when I just don't feel like it's true, or I don't feel His presence. Uh, It wasn't too long ago somebody said to me, I don't understand, you know, a few months ago, I just felt God all the time, and now I don't feel him anymore. And we kind of discussed that a bit, that life goes up and down, and sometimes we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we're so excited and so up and so energized, and we can conquer the world with God, right? And other times, you just don't feel like his presence, and in those moments, it's my prayers have to change. My Mm -hmm. prayers have to be, God, I know you're there. I trust you're there. I need you to help me get through this day.
0: That's so good. I don't know that I hear enough that our prayer life needs to be dynamic. Yeah. Because we can kind of get the idea that in order to have a consistent time with the Lord, that that time, the quiet time, quote unquote, has to look the same every single day. But our life doesn't look the same no, every single day. And so I think that's so good that our prayer has to change.
2: Yeah, and even just looking at relationships that we have with people, what I'm hearing in your story, Cheryl, is as if God is another relationship that you have in your life, which is, is good. I think sometimes people treat their prayer life to God in a way that they never would with any other person in their life. It would be like, you know, if every morning, the only time I really talk to my wife is every morning, I would tell her the things that I was hoping that she would accomplish that day. And obviously it's it's not a perfect example, because God longs for that, wants that from us, but but it's so much more. He is a relationship uh, that we have. And in a similar way, it's uh, theres there can be there is a reality of like an ebb and flow of our feelings towards God. There is a reality that um, our life with God and following God is not just measured by mountaintop moments, but there are these valleys of despair that you even read about in the Psalms. I mean, David talks of some very deep despair that he feels that he's calling, you know, God be close to me, where are you? Uh, and, and there's this full broad range of emotions that God has built in us that we experience um, towards other people, but also to God. And I think that that's just life. So I think it's it's refreshing and it's encouraging uh, after a tough year of of my own. I mean, just hearing similar things that like, it's not always perfect. It's not always bright and sunny, but it's real. It's you know God is there. He's always pursuing, but it sometimes is really hard to feel that.
0: I love that you mentioned David because one of the, my favorite things about David's prayers is that he's not always theologically correct. Yeah, he'll <laughs> he'll say stuff like God, don't look at me anymore.
1: Sometimes my prayer has been God, don't ask me to do this again. Mm. And yet he does. And then the prayer changes to, God, I can't do it if you don't give me the strength. Mm. So you better give me the strength. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like challenging God. And I don't know if I have the right to do that, but that's a real honest prayer.
0: Yeah. And I think prayer is that safe space yeah. where we can say things to God that maybe we would never say to other people. Yeah. He can take it. Mm.
2: I think there's there's obviously a line where you know we wouldn't want to be, just like in a regular relationship, we wouldn't want to be
0: abusive. <laughs> yeah, I
2: mean, that that crosses the line, but he can take he knows where we're at mm-hmm. and we can be honest with him and I think that that's really helpful to remember. We don't have to be in a certain place to then be able to pray, but God says Jesus has multiple times, you know, come to me that he carries the burdens and I mean, he's the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so good. So just kind of listening to some of the things that you've gone through, Cheryl, and the season that you've been in. What are some healthy practices or habits that you've learned that others could benefit from to learn how to love others with low energy?
1: I used to be the queen of volunteering. (laughs) So much so that my son gave me a cup that says, stop me before I volunteer again. (laughs) And that is so true for me, or was. But shortly after my husband died, I was sitting in someone's office and they had a little sign on the wall that, was Isaiah thirty fifteen, And it says, In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. That's become one of my life verses for two reasons. One, it's harder to love when we're exhausted, and there's little more exhausting than carrying guilt around. Mm. So when it says in repentance and rest is your salvation, it's not just repenting and saying I'm sorry, it's believing I'm forgiven. My earlier Christian walk, I used to confess the same sin over and over and over, not really believing that God forgave it until someone said, you're not believing God and his word. He said he would forgive, and now your sin is you don't even believe what he said. (laughs) So I had to learn that to give up those guilt feelings that I kept harboring to really let God forgive me and accept that he'd forgiven me. And that changed my life a lot because that burden of carrying guilt is a big one. Mm -hmm. And secondly, the second part of the verse says leading a quieter life. And that allows me to have more strength. Um, I was the person who spent 30 or 40 hours a week at the church in addition to a full-time job. And I was just constantly there. I think part of that was feeling like I had to earn love somehow. And that's not a true motivation, that's a selfish motivation. I'm not loving selflessly, I'm loving to get something out of it. And when I learned that leading a bit quieter life was gonna give me more strength, um, that helped a lot. And it actually was my son and daughter-in-law in in the last year and a half that have really reinforced that with me. Learning that uh, as I watched them walk the cancer walk, and simplify their lives, they were able to love each other and their children more fully. Mm. And that's been a great lesson for me.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, that's a really good reminder. I think I fall more on your side of the spectrum. My my wife and I are habitual doers and and goers, and I will say... Over the course of our marriage, almost six years now, we um, it's that idea of iron sharpens iron. She's been really good with me and I've, I hope, been really good with her. And I think we've been able to really grow in that space together. This is, so this podcast, this is our first podcast that we're doing here now that Lent has started. And so I think that this is a good question as we're thinking and, and sort of taking this season of Lent the Lenten season. Sorry, Craig. Uh, <laughs> Craig would fight me if I said the season of Lent. Um, so as we're in Lent now and thinking about this idea of like, what does this look like? So, so while I would, Cheryl, fall on your side of the spectrum, I think there is another side of it. Like many things in life in general, there, it's a, it's a spectrum and you kind of have to know yourself and where you fall. And so if you fall on, on our side, I suppose you could say, maybe it's a slowing down and we do that. That's, that's pretty common during Lent. This idea of fasting it doesn't always have to be fasting from food, but it could be fasting from social media or fasting from habitual. Uh, Habitually volunteering, but maybe you're on the other side of that. Uh, maybe you're listening to this and you're, you're not the person who is, uh, as we're talking about habitually doing, and and you would know that if you know yourself well enough, that might be in, in the context of the chapter that we're talking about. Maybe that's intentional acts of love. Maybe that's thinking about what is my neighbor's name? My actual neighbor. And if you don't know that, maybe it's just starting that conversation. Ricardo's talked about this um, over the last couple of years is just starting to know your neighbors or maybe, you know, your neighbors. And it's that next step of, you know, hosting, helping having some of them over for a dinner or maybe it's um, people in your on your dorm floor. If you're going to ASU or you're in college or in community college uh, and it's thinking about ways to intentionally love them and show the love of Jesus through your actions, your words. Um, so so maybe that's, that's something during specifically the season of Lent, the Lenten season, uh, <laughs> where you can think through intentional acts of love. And I think like many things that we've talked about in this podcast, The predecessor to all of this is self-awareness. So you have to know yourself. You have to know kind of what your plate looks like. And that's the first thing. I think listening for God, praying, asking God what he might have for you, asking God for the wisdom of self-awareness. Are you calling me to these intentional acts of love right now? Or are you calling me to a season of rest?
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you about the self-awareness. I think another piece of that is what are the gifts God gave me? And how do I use them? Because nothing's more exhausting than trying to do something you're not equipped for. Mm-hmm. But if you are equipped for it, then it's a lot easier to do. And to find ways to express love to other people in the ways that you're comfortable with will allow you to keep going with it. You're not going to burn out trying to do something you're not equipped to do.
0: Mm-hmm. You look at what God has called you to do over the last 10 years. Do you think you would have been able to do that had you not been a nurse? There?
1: No, there's mm-hmm. no way. Being a registered nurse, I hadn't even worked in the field of nursing for quite a few years. But when my father developed cancer, it really all came back pretty fast. Um, and it's been a God-given blessing to me to be able to do it for people I love.
0: So good. Well, that also reminds me, too, and when I think of, in my own life, finding energy to love, it's I usually think of that at work because I have a job that uh, is... Um, I love it, but it can be very repetitive, the tasks. And so when you're dealing with, not dealing with, when you're talking to customer after customer after, after customer on a 10, 11 hour shift, you know, a few hours into it, you can start being tempted to start cutting corners, um, not really listening, just trying to get them, uh, you know, one and done off the chat, off the phone. But in those times I found like just throwing those quick arrow prayers, Lord, help me to love my neighbor. And that sounds very, you know, churchy and simplistic, but it's really helpful for me because when I'm at work, I'm not usually thinking in terms of love my neighbor. I'm thinking in whatever lingo we use at work, I have a customer, I have a need, I have someone I have to talk to. But even that quick prayer of Lord, help me love my neighbor helps me to reframe what I'm doing at work as, oh yes, the the purpose that I am here is not to get a paycheck. It's not to hit certain metrics. It's to love my neighbor. And right now it's getting harder because I'm getting tired.
1: You're actually paid to listen, which is wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it makes me think of the fact that even when your energy is low, listening is an incredible gift to give to someone. To be able to just say, hey, tell me what's going on in your world, and then listen with intention. Meaning, listen for cues of ways I can love you. That might be you expressing some health concern that I can pray about, or you're expressing some financial concern that I can do something about. But Listening doesn't take a lot of energy, and it's something we can all do. And I think that's one way we can express it.
2: Yeah, I mean, everyone wants to feel heard and known, whether they've realized it yet or not. And I think, especially going off your your ideas, Cheryl, it it reminds me of the uh, Jim Mullins game, the carrot cake game. Mm. Um, If you're listening to this, you're newer to the church or you don't know, haven't had the pleasure of meeting Jim yet. He's one of our (laughs) pastors here and and he's uh, brilliant, but I'm pretty sure he made up this game. But even if he didn't, I'm going to credit him with it uh, because I heard it from him. But it's the idea of just taking sort of, it's self-awareness. So you're, you're taking stock of things that you have, places you have access to, and gifts, abilities, talents that you have, and then writing down people, uh, people groups, people in your life, people that you've seen around. And you write them on index cards and you flip them over and you figure out creative ways of how to mesh them together. So um, that's, I just think as Christians, we don't um, have the burden to love, we get the opportunity to love. And when we fully understand what that it is an opportunity, we understand that there's a lot of creativity. God made us to be creative beings. And there's a lot of ways that we can be creative in the way that we love. Even just thinking about the, the love languages, if you've heard of that book in different ways that we give and receive love, that alone speaks to this need and desire that we that we have as as humans to um love in a myriad of different ways. Uh so I think that would be when we get creative about it, we get excited about what God has called us to do and the ways that he's gifted us to love people, I think we really start to feel the holy spirit in us and and really giving us that energy to love in the ways that he's made us to do it.
0: Greg, let me ask you, um you've been married 6 years. Yep. You have... Yeah, uh, we have it all figured out now. Yeah.
2: How old is your child? (laughs) He will be one in five days.
0: I can't believe it's been that fast. Uh, All (laughs) right, dude. Yeah, we
2: can't can't believe it. It's one of those things. I mean,
0: it just goes so fast. So I'm curious because I know that a lot of people are in the same season of life that you are. Mm -hmm. When you talk about knowing the different love languages, Mm -hmm. has that helped you love your wife better when you have low energy, kind of knowing... What her love languages are and what yours are is that how is that impacted?
2: Yeah, this is kind of a rabbit trail. I hope she's listening to this episode (laughs) because she'll just be chuckling.
0: I think the
2: marriage is like one of the most edifying uh, and character building things that I've ever been through, Uh, and I feel like I've been through a lot of stuff in my my relatively short life. But um, I think. For me, and I can only speak for me, I I think everybody's experience in this is different. God has really revealed, really through love language type stuff. He's shed a lot of light on things that I have sort of lived in. Even like sinful areas in my heart that really were just prideful that I never ever even knew her there. No one was ever that deep into my heart and knew me enough um, for those things to sort of come to light. And Michelle is so gracious and so loving in those things. It's usually, I am my hardest critic on those things. Uh, and she she really loves me well through that. But yeah, I mean, just as an example, I would say Michelle... Generally, if we're using the love languages, uh, she's a a words of affirmation person. And for whatever reason, that doesn't come natural to me. I'm Mm -hmm. very much like a acts of service Mm -hmm. person. And so when if you don't have that self-awareness, it can you it could be like two ships crossing in the night. And so I could be home all day and clean all the dishes and clean up the house and take care of Everett. But she could come home and really what she might need is just for me to tell her how much I love her. You know, it's not she's not looking for the acts of service like we could do those things together or whatever. And vice versa. Um, I, I think it's just it's more an interesting tool for me in learning how God is growing me and revealing areas of my life I've never that I would never have seen on my own. I don't think it's all just sinfulness, but I think it's just maybe, well, selfishness. But that, I mean, that's that's probably <laughs> sinfulness. Yeah, so that's sort of a rabbit trail answer. But, but yeah, I think it's been a really helpful tool for us in learning and talking about how God is continually growing us more to be like him mm-hmm. uh, and having us die to our old selves.
1: And I would say if you want to make love easier in a marriage then you not only need to be aware of what your love language is, the, what feeds your love tank, but don't expect your spouse to just know it. Yeah. You need to tell them, because if you can do acts of service for her for 10 years and then at the end of 10 years find out what she really wanted was words of affirmation, mm-hmm. you've really lost 10 years of loving her the way mm. she needs to be loved, yep. and vice versa. And I think so many people are afraid to tell their spouse, this is what I need. Mm. And if they know what you need... And they love you, they want to give it to you. But we hesitate, we... Especially women, I think, expect men to read their minds. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's fair. So, ladies well, hey, out there, listen fair. up.
2: <laughs> to be fair, maybe I'm just uh, unique, but functionally, I have done the same thing in our marriage. Luckily, we've, again, like God has been very gracious to us and we've had really great community around us. Um, and, you know, my, my, this is, I've mentioned this in previous podcast episodes and this is a whole other rabbit trail story, but about a year ago, uh, almost exactly, my sister-in-law died unexpectedly. Mm. And so we've we've had a couple who are both licensed therapists that we've gone to that have really, it's just God has been very gracious to us in growing us in our own self-awareness and showing us our own sort of natural tendencies and then calling us into grace and truth and love. But um, but yeah, I, I would echo that. I think it's it's hard in general for people to say, I want this or I need this. It's hard for us sometimes to even distinguish between a want and a need. But if you can't do it in the context of a relationship, especially in the context of marriage, then where can you do it? I mean, that would be a thing I would pray that we still grow in that. We definitely don't have that perfect. But yeah, just for the couples that are listening... To this in in our church, and and if you're listening to this and you're not married or you're not in a relationship, don't roll your eyes because <laughs> you're not immune to this either. Uh, it's this innate deep desire to be heard and known and loved, and and my prayer would be that that would be found for you in the context of close, intimate, healthy relationships. Hopefully, you know, within the, the broader church community of a brother and or sister in Christ that would be able to really know you and hold you accountable, but also love you. And and, and really, uh, it's not exclusive to the marriage relationship. Really, God is, is present in all of these opportunities.
1: Greg, as you were using the words want and need, it took me in my mind to the whole area of money. And it's easy to love with money when it's not really love. You're kind of buying something for someone, and that's not really what they want or need, either one. However, I think when we think about loving people, we have to be more aware of our own life and what God's given us and what money we have at our disposal. I've spent a lot of time in the Czech Republic over the last 25 years, and one of the things I admire about them is they talk so much more openly about their money than we do. Hmm. I think when we really, truly grasp the idea that everything I have came from God, that it's not mine, it's to use as I want, it's mine to use as I feel God directs me to use it. And it says in Hebrews, keep yourselves free from the love of money and be content with what you have. So money should be a tool for loving people not a weapon. as <laughs> Some people use it, mm-hmm. I think. I think also it goes back to John Crawford was saying in the sermon this morning about listening to people. If you really listen to people, it's easy often to pick up, they need 20 bucks or they need a couple hundred bucks or whatever. And it's not that you have to meet all their financial need, but if God's given it to you, first you take care of yourself, your family, and then what you have is for other people. And so I think we can love on each other financially if we would just not hide our money issues, but we would talk more openly about them.
0: Mm. So good. You know, we've covered so much ground in this yeah, episode. You really have run the gamut, <laughs> Yes. Uh, but I think I would be remiss if I didn't just throw it in, uh, even though this comes up. I feel like almost every podcast that I'm on, it's all I ever talk about is Sabbath so important when we're talking about loving and finding the energy of love so often it's not necessarily the circumstances that have arisen in our lives it's the situations that we put ourselves in and it's not taking care of ourselves and so having that day of rest where you don't have obligations you don't have commitments within reason obviously if you're a parent you're always going to be a parent 24/7 but within within reason Having that time set aside, and I would even say for a lot of us who are younger, being intentionally disconnected from technology, because we can be off of work, but still be plugged into the constant ping of notifications from social media, from text messages, from phone calls, and that doesn't allow you to rest. It doesn't allow your brain to to get the, the time that it needs, and so... Having that time of Sabbath, that a time of intentional rest, and there's even that difference between uh, rest and leisure. You know, a lot of times we can just kind of binge on Netflix for eight hours, but that, I mean, I don't know anybody who's ever binged for eight hours and walked away feeling rested. Hmm. Finding something creative to do that you enjoy, that's play for you and praying through it can be so uh, reinvigorating. And if Sabbath has not been a regular part of your life, you would be surprised the difference the other six days are when you make that one day of rest. Cheryl, you have the final word. What's your, what's your last bit of encouragement, counsel, and wisdom to share with those who are listening?
1: I think as a church, we can help each other love better by spreading out the work to be done in the church. I think very few of us do most of the work. And if many people would volunteer just for small things, it would take the burden off others, and I think we could love one each other better.
2: I will send you the check in the mail, Cheryl. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was
0: unsolicited. That's music <laughs> to Greg's ears. <laughs> she speaks truth.
2: Not even just to mine. I, I, I love being creative. Okay, and I love if you say on Tuesday afternoons I have two hours, and these are my skills. We were, we will figure out a way. We have a lot of volunteer opportunities within the church. It's not only greeting every other Sunday or serving in Redemption Kids, though those are great ways to tangibly serve. And they make it pretty easy because it's a consistent schedule and you don't have to think about it. But I mean, over the years, we've had, I, I'll i take credit, or not credit, but like, I will take the, the ownership of this. We've had lots of small little teams and ideas of things for volunteer work that just didn't work. But it's because like, I don't care. I, we had a group of people who were like, hey, it'd be great to do some um, work around the campus to help out Jeremy and Carrie and Wayne and Cecil and the facilities team. You know, we've got odd experiences here and there. So we started the, the work group, I think is what we called it. Um, and they helped with stuff around random things around the campus for a while. And we've had the Creative Collective and there's still sort of like smaller remnants of that that's still going on. And there's creative ways that we're trying to find, um, you know, if you're a videographer, we've got a video team that helps with, with that sort of thing. If you're a photographer, we've got help with that. If you're a writer, I, we will find ways for you to exercise those gifts. I am very much, I mean, the whole thing we've said this whole podcast about just being able to display our gifts and abilities and talents. Um, And AC, you said she had the last word, but I couldn't. We have to give her one more last word. I just couldn't. She was speaking my language. I'm cutting all this from the final It's fine. Yeah, Cheryl. So what additional final real for real last word of wisdom would you have for the people listening to this episode? Sorry for usurping.
1: No problem. I want to go back to one thing and just stress it a little more. The self-awareness you mentioned, know what your gifts are, figure out where to use them. It will motivate you just knowing what you can do. But when you love, people love you back. And being loved back motivates you to love again. Mm.
0: So good. So good. Thank you guys for listening, and we will be back next week.